Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. It felt like we were just doing this, Kevin. We got three pods in one day. Is that a record? Probably. It's got to be. It is certainly for us, and maybe it's a world record. Who knows, man? (laughs) 211 on Thursday, February. It is Thursday. The the date that we've known for months, and I'm still struggling to think of it. Uh, 211. We recorded two podcasts ago at 2.20. Here we are, three and 24 hours. The trade deadline has passed. If you are listening, there's a really good chance you're listening to this podcast and you have not listened to the previous two. While you will perhaps think it's redundant, and I understand if you don't want to listen to our voices for a collection of 90 minutes or 120 minutes or whatever. I wouldn't, but... We really stuck to Ishbia uh, to... A, Two press conferences, uh, two press conferences, two uh, podcasts ago. We're going to, we're going (laughs) to, can you tell? Um, Two podcasts ago. And then last podcast, we uh, hit it at 2 a.m. A half an hour after you woke up. And we just kind of ran through the Durant thing. So we've really done like every two Every 12 Every time hours. The clock, yeah. yeah it's two, I'm scared it's, for what's going to happen at 2 a.m. I don't want anything <laughs> don't to happen wanna, at 2 a.m. tonight. No. I, I don't want to know. Uh, so if you do want to go back and listen and just get the the Kevin Durant has been traded to the Suns podcast, go find last episode and then you can come back here where we will briefly rehash anything else that kind of came up over the last 12 hours. We will talk about the other moves that the Suns have made and haven't made yet, Kevin. That's, that's what oh. they call a tease in the old radio business. Business. See, look at me. I still, I still got it. I don't know how many hours I've slept the last two days, but I still, <laughs> I still got it. Uh, I encourage everyone to go to ArizonaSports.com and read all of our coverage on the Kevin Durant stuff. I wrote a column that uh, for Inside Baseball track here. I wrote it back in July. I wrote like sixty percent of it back in July because I just had my thoughts in my head of how how I would feel if they traded for Kevin Durant. I just wanted to write them down somewhere. Then that draft just sat there for seven months or whatever. If if we got any young writers listening at home, don't scrap your drafts unless you're absolutely sure you will never use them again. Saved it. Got the column up in like an hour. Obviously, I had to fine-tune some things and change a bit because it was a lot different than it happening in the offseason. It was it was a lot different with who was involved and, and, and things of that nature. But here they are. They have Kevin Durant. He's quite exceptional. At the game about, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that we have much else to discuss on him. It, was there anything else that once we got done, when you were trying to sleep and couldn't, that you thought of on this with, with him? Just him, like just him. Nothing important, but I realized we got an excellent tweeter, and I was sitting there trying to go to sleep at like four a.m. and I was just like, "Wow, we have a great tweeter." Um. Some people don't like how he tweets. I enjoy him going at the haters. I think he's the best uh, Twitter it's, user of all time that is an athlete. I think it's undisputed. Anyway, so there's that. That's all I got. Okay, that's fair. 
like I said, we, we really hammered this last episode uh, and the column as well really covers just his greatness and everything on both ends of the court. We talked about the fit a lot there. I think basically what's going to happen, guys, is we are going to, again, as, like you mentioned last night, we should have mentioned earlier in the episode, but we were recording at 2 a.m., so forgive us. He is going through an M- MCL sprain right now is yeah. the injury. Chris Haynes had reported that he was going to be out until after the All-Star break. Suns still have, I think, five or six games left until the All Star break, and it's then we'll nineteen, so ten days. Yeah, and then we'll see after the All Star break. We'll see, so that we we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about what the Suns look like with Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant actually plays on the team. So I think next week more so, uh, we're, we're gonna look at that, and more importantly, I think over the next couple of. Like for the next two weeks, see how the other guys uh, assimilate. I think TJ Warren is a huge guy to watch in terms of what they need and what they want to add. I think they're. It is not wrong to suggest him as one of the potential starters. I named seven guys in my piece last night, of course. But and and as um, our Australian correspondent David pointed out on Twitter, and I agree with him. I don't think they're fifth starters on the roster right now. The buyout market isn't really nice to them right now in terms of what they need and what's available. But I do believe that they're going to wind up getting someone on the buyout market that will ultimately come in and, and, and be their fifth starter. That's how I feel right now. We'll talk about the buyout market here in a second. But again, uh, they've got games on Thursday, or sorry, uh, today, which is Thursday. They play on Thursday, and then they play on Friday against Indianapolis. And then I believe they're off until Tuesday when they return home. So we'll have lots of thoughts next week on Kevin Durant. I assume Kevin Durant will speak next week. Kind of uncharted territory here because when Chris Paul got traded here, we did speak with him, but it was over Zoom. Um, when one of the 10 or 15 greatest basketball players of all time arrives, you probably want to have a press conference for it. So we will probably see that next week, I assume. Uh, four games left, by the way. Atlanta and Indiana. Then they've got uh, the Kings on Valentine's Day. That is Tuesday. And then a week from today, they play the Clippers on TNT. And then they come back on February 24th. So I, again, I just wanted to reemphasize some time to marinate on this. We're not going to see him on the court uh, for the team in a week or two, and, and we'll kind of keep an eye on the other developments on the team. I think that one thing I did want to talk about that came up on um, that hasn't come up much in my writing or came up there is I think this is going to be the best thing that could have happened to both Devin Booker and Chris Paul's careers at the stage that they're at right now. Book was quickly trending towards like if Luca, if it's the Luca scale in terms of a 10 out of 10 of how much you have to do for your team. Yeah. He went from like a six, 5.5 to about an 8.59. Yeah. On that scale. In a year. In a year. And and it was like, oh man, is this going to be their reality for the next couple of years? Is just watching this guy try and carry this team to those sort of lengths. And, and that is in fact, not what we're going to be looking at anymore with the addition of Kevin Durant. What I'm writing in, in a piece I'll have up later today on ArizonaSports.com tearing out the West, which we're going to talk about here in a bit, is automatically your brain goes, okay, Kevin Durant on the ball, relief for Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like, they're going to be fresh. Where are their, where are their legs going to be fresh, though, Kevin? When they're playing defense. Yeah. When they're on the defensive end. So I think that we're going to start to see a lot better defense from both of them. I think that both of them, specifically Chris Paul, have not been as good defensively as they were last year or two years ago, certainly. But I think both of them are going to take this opportunity to use their legs more productively in other areas. I mentioned last night the Olympics thing. And again, we're going to have some new listeners now to our podcast, too. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more new Suns fans coming in that are fans of Kevin Durant. If you did not watch Team USA two two years ago, 
Devin Booker went into that team. It was Kevin Durant with good reason. Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum. There were a lot of huge stars and all of those teams always boil down to who is the guy who is going to adapt and become a role player with, with the snap of a finger. He like went a, from that in a week of flight. After, flight. after starring for a team on an NBA Finals run. And doing everything because everyone else was not doing great. He was picking up guys full court. He was fronting Rudy Gobert. He was taking charges on Rudy Gobert. He was diving on the floor for loose balls. He was crashing the offensive glass. I, I tweeted that if there was an all defense team for the for the Olympics, like there wasn't even like a first team all Olympics or whatever. There's nothing like that. But if there was like a defense one, he would have made it. Like he would have been first team. He was that good defensively. So that's just something to keep in mind for him specifically. And obviously, Chris Paul is perhaps the best defensive point guard of all time. His all defense nods certainly. Um, point to that and uh my goodness uh this is going to be a if deandre Ayton, and i think this is an if worth mentioning that we didn't talk about last night we mentioned the possibility of them dealing him because we we're looking at the roster it's really imbalanced it still is pretty imbalanced a good problem to have with kevin Durant on your team of course so we were wondering like man will they trade they did not trade him of course he's still here but with that comes the opportunity for him if he is willing to star in his role even further in a way that yeah. he did not two years ago and a year ago. And it seems demeaning to call it like, Hey, go start in your role. Just run hard and, and jump up for offensive rebounds and stuff. But it's not meant to be demeaning. It's just the reality is he is now the fourth option on the team. And the way that he is going to impact winning the most is doing all of the things that he did two years ago on the finals run, but to an even greater degree now, I mean, because Kevin Durant is there and the guy that he's opening up space for is Kevin Durant. That's the most interesting part of that is how if they really space the floor with guys who can now put it on the floor, which again, been asking for that since Monty Williams got here, more of those guys, I think it's going to look a lot easier for DA to look like he did in the finals run because that was, if you remember at the start, like the Lakers were just giving it to him, right? And letting him have dunks basically because they're like, oh, we need to guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker, the two all NBA guys. I think the added part for DA is still like, hey, go carve out space, go run hard, go seal a guy, catch, jump hook, because even if he doesn't expand his game anymore, the jump hook is something he can still get better at as far as them looking for him, him putting in the effort, him just going up with it. So, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Uh buyout guys i just want to um I'll, I'll mention him in a second actually that's another tease right there we should wait until we talk later sorry i'm doing like the thinking part out loud usually i just think this in my head when i pull up a tweet and then i don't say it until i'm supposed to say it but now i'm like letting you see oh wow messed up it is inside my brain i really like the thought of durant doing the Giannis rotations where he's going to do the Cam Johnson rotation. I'll, I'll put it in a oh, way that's okay. better to understand, easier to understand for Suns fans. You remember how typically uh, Budenholzer, he'll bring out Giannis in the first like four to six. There were some of those finals games where Giannis was out after like three minutes. Yeah. So he was like, ah, no, it's fine. Once the, <laughs> once the reserves come in, he'll just destroy them. And I think you can do some of that with Durant as well. And I think if you look at the first couple of Suns off the bench, I think the campaign's rim pressure is going to be critical to those lineups, especially when you're talking about Durant's coming back in the game and you've got a different 
look, because Book is going to apply rim pressure, sure. Chris Paul is not going to do that. He's going to set his foot feet in the paint a lot, but he's not going to do that. So that change of pace for Durant specifically is going to be important. I think that having a shooter like Damian Lee next to Durant in those kinds of lineups is going to be big for the reserves specifically. And again, to go to rim pressure, if you've got the campaign, Biz or Jock um, diving and just like rim pressure there, I think that obviously the weakness of this team is going to be rim pressure. And the, the biggest thing that we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks and then watching Durant plays like how does it look for a team like this that has such a vast array of offensive talent but they don't have guys who really score at the rim that much that is going to be because Durant gets to the line a lot he gets to the rim a lot but he is now by far like the leader in rim pressure for them on the ball it's not even close it and, might, and he's, you don't think of him like that because he takes so many jumpers I think it'll help both too though because I think hit, part of it has been how he used to just absolutely hunt fouls and and it was I always said it was kind of a detriment sometimes when you just hunt fouls and not just hey you can shoot over anyone type stuff but I think having more floor spacers and guys that are going to threaten defenses out on the perimeter is going to open up more for him honestly and I think that's something that's been missing on this team like him and campaign just because they're the only two guys really on this past iteration couldn't get to the rim that easily because people could just sit on him and stuff so I don't know it's I think plugging in Durant too just if you think about how book and CP already operate it's really just plugging in Kevin Durant and Mikel Bridges situations they have like a dozen sets at this point that use from Mikel and he can just be Kevin Durant in those they don't have to really drastically change their offense because they had a lot of set up mid-range looks for and you can imagine how much more of a decoy he's going to be able to be in you, those types of sets. Do you think, sets. real quick, do you think the offense will actually look that different? I don't. No, no. And I said that on the air with Wolf and Luke. Uh, I, A lot of people will um, call me on this, and I agree. I talked about how it's almost unprecedented for a team to change its identity with a huge addition at the trade deadline and then win the championship that year. But I think Durant is the exception because of his adaptability and because of how much the offense changes. The number one thing to watch on this team for the rest of the season is how they change defensively. Yeah. Their scheme, who is playing where, who is defending where, how are they changing their philosophies because they are going to have to now. It's just what they're going to do. Like, are they going to switch more? Are they going to switch less? Or- I mean, they were switching Mikel Bridges a lot against really good players, so maybe not. <laughs> We'll see. I'm not really sure, but I'm excited to kind of see what the kind of roadmap is there. The Suns did make a trade today. Uh, we were foolish at 3 a.m. to not mention the second round picks that they had because we were. I was sitting there. I was like, man, what else do they have to trade? They have like swaps, I guess. They have Dario's ex- expiring. Maybe they can do, but they did have second round picks and they did use one of them. They traded Dario Sarge and it, they gave up a second round pick, right? The Suns in the back. <laughs> You should look that up, man. I don't remember that. One of us is uh one of us is broken here. I mean, both both of us are 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 at this point, buddy. Uh yeah, the Suns gave up a second round pick in the deal. To the Oklahoma City Thunder, they trade Dario Sarge, which is a move that from a roster balance perspective made a whole lot of sense. You've already got Bismack, Jock, and Mr. Ayton. You playing Dario with a four, it's not really it doesn't really make as much sense with this kind of new roster balance, uh, roster situation that they have. Uh, and they get in Darius Basley from the Oklahoma City Thunder, a 6'8", power forward, wing, however you want to call him, 
only 22 years old, Kevin. Uh, he came in, I, I think the best way to explain it is he comes in 23rd overall to Oklahoma City in 2019 and was just your typical, like like Baisley comes in and he's your typical raw upside attributes, length, athlete, guy. Like that's essentially, we we see these guys really come into the draft. We see a half dozen of these guys, a dozen of these guys every year and a good amount of them will go in the first round and sometimes they're bust Kevin, but sometimes they just turn into real NBA players really quickly. Basley's had a weird road. Uh, He played quite a bit in his rookie year, but then he started nearly every game he played for the last two seasons. He averaged 14 points and seven rebounds a game for albeit bad OKC teams. He put up numbers two years ago. Then we come into this year, Kevin, and the question is, okay, what is the roadmap for this guy? How is it looking exactly for his future role? Because OKC just keeps drafting guys. They just keep drafting guys. And basically what happens is Jalen Williams, J-A-L-E-N Williams, is awesome right away. They've got Usman Jang, who they gave up three first-round picks for. They are going to play him. And then they sign Isaiah Joe off the street, and he turns into a rotation-caliber player immediately. You add on Kenrich Williams, already there. You add on Pokushevsky, already there. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was in the mix there. Aaron Wiggins is there. They just had too many bodies to get time. There's the other Jalen Williams, who was more of a center, but with that being said, would, would still play some of the minutes that Basley would, I'm sure, or Basley, I'm sorry. I got to get that out of my head. I was telling you when we read when we read about guys for draft for the draft, I always have their last names wrong in my head. And it takes me like three years. I called Jeremy Grant Jeremy Grant on here for like four straight years before being like, it's Jeremy. Figure it out, kid. Darius Baisley. He plays for the team. So I, should, I probably Bays. should. I probably Bays should figure the, that out. Yeah. Darius Baisley uh, hardly played this year. He had pretty consistent minutes for the first month of the season, but then they faded. They They turned towards the younger guys, which makes a lot of sense for where OKC is headed. And this is this is a flyer, essentially, is what I will label it as. But I think I'll ask you this. Does it function more as a tax saving move or a flyer? Um, They save $13 million off their tax bill, I believe. I'm going to go pull up the exact number right now. But I, believe I would that say it's more of a roster move, I think. And that's only because... Early this morning when we podcasted... $20 million off their tax bill. It went from 69.7 to 49.5. Which is, what, about 6 or $7 million more than they were to start before the deadline, um, before the KD trade. So they, they really haven't added a ton of money this year. Obviously, next year is when Ke- Kevin Durant versus having Mikel Bridges and all those other guys who are going to be off the yeah, books. Yeah, and then we talk about, like, is Chris Paul coming back? Um, That's a whole different conversation that to, we'll have later. To answer your question, though, I think Baisley was kind of a necessary, we need another wing. And um, just remembering him as a prospect, I haven't watched him this year, obviously, because he hasn't played much. But the dude is like a... What's a large bird like one of those condors? You know, like he might be listed as six eight, but he looks like just lengthwise how big his hands are and that kind of I stuff. Like condor, I'll condors are I think the largest wingspan bird. I don't know. I might be making that Get up. up while you're ahead. He's a big athletic dude. The shot has not really developed. There was like a season where he was like thirty four percent. I think a few years ago. Um, 741 <laughs> attempts in his uh, NBA career. He had 269 last year, 286 the year before that, and he was around 29%. So, a, 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 Am I making up the 30% number ever? 40% this year, but 45 oh, attempts. Okay. Yeah. So 
So he knows who he is right now, and if if they need a body, he's there. Um, and what we can you count for me? We there's still two open roster spots. There I are. think so. Like he's ideally, you get some more usable wings on buyout or whatever market. But yeah, I think it was two things. You might as well get something. He's going to be a free agent. I think he's restricted. This upcoming summer. He's at the end of his four-year uh, rookie con- standard rookie contract, so, rookie uh, rookie scale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he's an interesting player, but I I think he he won't be utilized unless they really have to go down that depth chart. Yes, I think that everyone on the I think if you look at everyone on the roster, he's probably the lowest on the pecking order now, except for Saban Lee. But Saban Lee's got to play right now because the other guards are hurt and that is where we will get to the buyout market if you're not familiar with the list of names we will have a story up on arizonasports.com at some point tonight kind of looking over the names and this process if you're not familiar moves extremely quick we're already probably in the next hour or two going to see so-and-so prefers to go to so-and-so and then they probably wind up going to so-and-so we've already heard some of that about was it john wall last night where we were or no russell westbrook we were already hearing about teams that like uh, are interested in Russell Westbrook. The interesting wrinkle in this is that the Suns, as we have talked about at nauseating lengths because of how important it was last offseason, they did not use their taxpayer mid-level exception. They are able to use it on the buyout market, use some of it, and that essentially is going to allow them to be the highest bidder for these guys so they can be like, hey, not only are we a contender and you get to play with Kevin Durant, Denver, or Chris Paul, play for Monty Williams, maybe win a ring, we'll give you the most money too. It seems yeah. like a pretty good deal. The issue here and what we will get to here in a few minutes talking about the twins is that the exact guys you are trying to look for are not available on the buyout market for a reason because they are valuable. They need point of attack defense. They really, really need that. And they also really need shooting three and D they need (laughs) three and D guys just do not become available just like this. The main kind of list that has kind of come up so far, by the way, the name that I teased uh, earlier Former uh, Suns hypothetical trade target Terrence Ross could be on the move. I'm not sure how he is defensively. I think the defense there would be the question to me. Uh, Someone speculated, uh, John uh, Schumann speculated Seth Curry. Bobby Marks speculated Danny Green. Reggie Jackson is agreeing to a buyout with the Charlotte Hornets right now. There's Patrick Beverly, who looks like he's on the way to Minnesota already. John Wall, Russell Westbrook. I believe a Holiday brother is going to be out there as well. Serge Ibaka just went... Looks like he's going to be bought out. By the way, throwing this out there, Serge Ibaka, Reggie Jackson, former Thunder members, the Suns have an interesting Thunder affinity right now, and uh, Bick wrote this. Matt Ishbia, one of his boys, is Paul Rivers, who was he was in the front office of the Thunder for a bit, eventually became like vice president, whatever his title was, but was also director of basketball ops, was a video scout at some point with the Pistons. So he's a basketball guy. And yeah, they got Durant. They got campaign. They have Monty Williams. Um, who am I missing? Baisley they traded for and traded with the Thunder for. I should say, Kevin, uh, I think someone typoed Aaron Holiday and Frank Kaminsky when they first reported the Hawks trade. It is actually Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky. So Justin Holiday is a potential buyout guy. That has been another trade target hypothetical I think Aaron Holiday's coming back here so that we were that we were talking about they could add another holiday that is the most 3 and D type of wing that projects 
to be available. But to your point and who you were talking about in terms of the outline of the roster, I think the most interesting part about their choice over the next 24, 36 hours, or more so the choice that they've already been thinking about for the past three days, four days in this hypothetical situation that is now reality, is how much do you believe in campaign and Landry Shaman? It kind of comes back to that. Reggie Jackson has not had a good year for the Clippers. I know that we think of him as a pretty darn good player because he was pretty darn good in the Western Conference Finals, and he's just been pretty darn good against the Suns and pretty darn good for the Clippers for the most part, to be honest. He's been really great there, but he has had a bad year defensively. He's had a bad year offensively. Uh, I saw Brendan Clean tweeting about just shot selection and just uh, brain farts defensively, lack of intensity defensively. That does not sound like someone who Monty Williams would like to play especially when compared to campaign who maybe has questionable shot selection at times. Sure. But really gives it his all defensively. Every time he's out there, the Landry Shamit part of this, uh, I mercilessly, even by bringing it up for a couple of seconds, teased Suns fans that he is going to continue to play probably just because of how much they need shooting, but point of attack defense. He's, he's one of the better defenders off the bench right now. I got to say, and if he just shoots league average from three, even that kind of skill, like you think about who's going to guard the ball handler coming off the bench. It's, it's probably Landry Shamit right now. It's Tory Craig or Landry Shamit, but I imagine Tory Craig is the hypothetical starter. That's the biggest right thing with this roster real quick is off the bench. You don't have that ridiculous shooting. I know you, you're going to, do the Giannis or the Cam J thing with Durant, maybe, or or you pick Book and CP and figure out one of them like goes out of the game early. But I just don't know how the floor spacing is going to be where you could throw a Kogi out there as the second unit's top defender on a regular basis. And that's the biggest problem with him is like, oh yeah, I'd love to throw him in the starting lineup. It but, is a Kogi, right? Yeah. But it's it's like you have to have the right offensive pieces for that to be worth it. And I'm trying to struggle and think about what the bench unit would look like. And I don't know if the spacing's there, but I guess if you did have campaign Shamit, Kogi and you filtered Durant back in, that's not terrible shooting. All right. I talked myself back into it. I'm fine. (laughs) Everything's okay. Yeah. We'll see. We're just a little uh, slow today. No breaking podcast for buyout guys. Sorry, everyone. Uh, I don't think I have a Baisley. There, I said it right. Baisley piece in me today. We'll we'll take a look at him in the next couple of days. I'm sure Dwayne Dedman was just waived as well, but they already have centers. Again, it's it's more about watching for wings. And then if it's a guard with more of that skill set, sure. Because I, the, the best tweet I saw was a 5.30 a.m. Sam Cooper banger where he was like, Matt Ishbia's legacy is now really on the line. Can he fuse Josh Okogie and Damian Lee into one basketball player? <laughs> like, that's basically what it is. Like they just have, it's too much of a liability on one end or the other. And then you've got guys like Tory Craig and Ish Wainwright, who are hypothetically the two most balanced guys you're talking about in the, in that bench lineup. But it's, it's not to the level that you, that you would want to see from them. Twins. Yeah. I will keep it short for the most part and just say to go read my story on ArizonaSports.com because I was far more eloquent and organized with my thoughts there (laughs) than I am going to be here. Sorry. What? Go ahead. Are you making fun of me? No. All right, man. Whatever. Your words are great. Your words right now, 
Still good. Can I call my own words eloquent? Is that a fair thing yeah, to do fair. at this time? Okay, thank you. I don't often do that, but I tried my darndest to paint the picture for those less familiar or to do it justice to those who, the many who I cited last night, like a lot of friends texting me being like, oh man, I get it, or I don't get it because it's Mikel and, and Cam. Uh, they mean a whole lot to this team. Uh, I believe Wolf and Luke had both Eddie Johnson and Kevin Ray on their show uh, on their show. And Eddie Johnson described it as a sad scene. They were both around. It sounded like they were around the hotel when those guys left. Uh, and Eddie Johnson described it as a sad scene. K Ray went on to talk about how like he was he was crying when when Mikel left. And uh, those are the types of people to think about in this situation. I think we'll get to the teammates in a bit. But if you just think about. If you think about an equipment manager, like not even like Jay Gaspar, who who's the main guy for the Suns, but like the, the assistant to Jay Gaspar, the people who help out Jay Gaspar, like those kinds of people who Mikel and Cam saw on a daily basis, like Kevin Ray, like Eddie Johnson, where the most their interactions were, were like a quick 15 or 30 second thing, probably. Like that's yeah. pretty much all it was, like a little goofing around every now and then saying, hi, how are you? Like the kind of usual pleasantries you would exchange. Those types of people are going to be devastated and that's what ej and and k ray both backed up there because they're traveling with the team a lot they're around those situations a lot so you can imagine how the coaching staff and the players and guys like jay gaspar who spend hours around mikel every day like how much those types of people are going to be hit by this and it's also like they have been with that dude for four years when he was basically a kid who just watched him grow up came out of college yeah yeah, and the way that I described it uh, in the piece is the heart and soul. I use that for both stories, but to elaborate a bit further on it, Mikel was just really the heart of this team because what I talked about last night, the thing I'll remember the most about that era of the Suns team was just how fun they were to be around and how much it seemed like, uh, from our uh point of observation at least just how much they genuinely liked each other and were friends and just goofed around with each other and enjoyed not only they it seems like they enjoyed being around each other off the court as much as they enjoyed playing with each other on the court like it was a fair 50 50 distribution and that's usually a crazy thing to say about any professional sports team like maybe there are some teams who love being around each other off the court but they don't really like playing with it like there's a really equal balance that was there and Mikel had a lot to do with it because of his personality. It got to the point where, and I'm not sure where the pendulum swung because we were out of the locker room for two and a half years now, but it got to the point where he's messing with everyone so much that now everyone basically picks on him and we would be in the locker room talking to him and it would be guy after guy, just like saying something to him while he's trying to do his interview because they just can't, it's such a prime opportunity to mess with him because he's got to be serious right there. And like Bismack Biombo would come over and like flick him in the ear or just like, stand over my shoulder and just like stare at Mikel menacingly. Um, there was that the, I had that clip of the audio and then Jared Jack, like about 30 feet away from the door out the locker room, just like sees a, a near empty locker room and like five reports around Mikel and then just goes, must've been a slow week. And it's just like, it's the best man. They were, he was he was great to be around from my perspective, just as the reporter who was around them, like again, more to the people, the not even the people that are employees on the team, but more of the pleasantries interacting with them every uh, so often, like every now and then. Uh, and Cam Cam was the same way. Cam was the same kind of guy, very articulate, thoughtful guy. And both those guys played their behinds off for this team. I think Johnson is the soul of the team was the guy who um, most reflected what the Suns want in a player, what they want them to do. 
I included a video clip in there from the finals, and I'm sure there are like a dozen that I have on my Twitter where it's just a 45-second thing where I just keep it there and I just say, watch Cam this whole time. And he hits a corner three, bumps through and leaps ahead of a screen, cuts off the ball handler there, does the rim pressure there, sprints down to the corner so Cam Payne can get a pull-up three. Like He does that stuff all of the time. And it's what they want their players to do. And Monty Williams references Cam more than anyone else, even Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre, and all these guys. Mikel, he would reference Cam the most when he would talk about like what is .5, what is the multiple efforts defensively, their core, core stuff. It was Cam. Uh, and then obviously both of these guys, the fans listening know, like just a huge connection. I think Mikel has a, I don't think this is going to happen because he was only here for five years, but I think he has an argument for being in the ring of honor just based on how much the fans loved him alone. Yeah. But then you look at the Iron Man streak, the run to the finals, how we've seen him grow uh, as a player. And and then Cam, the lemonade stand. I mean, the list goes on and on. I was only able to get to so much in there, but I'm long winded way of saying this. Cause I said, I wanted to keep it short and I'm going to kind of cut myself off here. There is a huge emotional void here where it's not going to be, it's going to be more serious season than silly season, but hey, Kev, all of us in our day-to-day lives know you need a little bit of silly season every now and then. You just need it, and you can't replace those types of guys when they leave. It is beyond that, too, I think, with... Like, when you guys go in the locker room, the tone's just going to be completely different. The media is going to be completely different around this team, too. But I think, like like you pointed out, on the court, I think it's like, okay, you have like Bo Outlaw was that guy for the even not good Suns teams really, but where you could always just count on a dude to like, okay, I'm going to go give this team energy and it shocked, you know, a rough night into being a good night and it was infectious and it's kind of hard to see who's going to be that dude, right? Like not that like book KD, Chris Paul are lazy or anything like that, but who's just going to be that dude who kind of like pushes the level up a little bit on this team? I would say if there was anyone, if I had to take a blind guess out of all of the guys on the team who caused the most kerfuffles or fights at practice, I would guess it was Cam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either Jay or Cam, and I would probably go Cam because he just, I wrote it, this way because of the way he plays physically and just falls everywhere and just plays so physically that like it it seems like he just loves it and he wouldn't have it any other way in terms of the new bump on his eyebrow or the bruise on his forearm or whatever and that matters in practice settings and just everyday settings it matters having that type of guy yeah and Mikel too I mean goes without saying Tory Craig might have to be that guy which he's made for that that's his role but yeah, it's it is a void. Doesn't in. have to be one or the other either. We're not saying this dooms the Suns. We're not saying the yeah. Suns are now serious and it's better that they're serious. It's just a huge. It's de- true. Yeah, it's personality. There are national people who will look at this and like give this trade gr- trade grade an A or an A plus, and I understand why. And I don't know what I, grade I would give it if I had to grade it, but I think that everyone in Phoenix will look at this trade differently, or everyone who is a Suns fan from afar, who's not here locally, even will. Tra- grade this differently based on how much they know Mikel and Cam matter to the locker room. Like they'll and to winning. Like yes, they made. I'm just talking off the court so far. That's all I'm yeah. talking about. But 
there's something to be said for like we didn't think that team two years ago would get there because like even though they had two really good players and all-stars like just how they played as a team right and i think i go back to steve kerr and steve nash would always be like we didn't really appreciate like the the first few renditions of the sun's seven seconds or less era because we were just so focused on winning and like their regret was always like i wish we enjoyed that because we didn't realize how much fun we had together and like steve nash would go to the clubs with them and stuff like that and they would always be like yeah we we liked each other and we kind of took that for granted in the moment and so that's going to be do the suns replicate that to some degree and if they're super serious, can they get over barking at each other as easily now? I don't know. Kevin Durant, known as a extremely low-key guy. Mikel is the most high-key player I've ever been around in terms of just his energy. So the personality shift there is just pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. And it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how much those dynamics are. I, I guess I'll just say noticeable. Like, do we even notice like how much it met? We're going to notice how much the vibe changes. Like you said, like it's going to be different in the locker room. It's going to be different around there, but is it to the point where it affects things positively or negatively? I don't know if we'll be able to notice. Maybe we will. Um, maybe we won't. Kevin, it was a rather boring trade deadline, uh, except for the fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got traded. Uh, that makes it quite exciting. But when you look across the board, the big names that we were talking about, John Collins, going to be a, a, I predict right here, Kevin, you hear me? You listening? Yeah. Miles Turner and John Collins will remain on there. They will be one franchise players. We're just going to be talking about them as trade candidates for the next decade. Plus, there's going to outlast Trey Young. He's going to outlast Jonte Murray. Lifers. You heard it here yes. first. Everyone's shocked by that development. Perhaps the most surprising thing was that Toronto did did nothing. They did not even move <laughs> them Gary. and the Bulls. Them and the Bulls. Well, Toronto, like even Gary Trent and Fred, like they could both leave, and, the, yeah. and they're and they're just like, no, we'll just make a run at it this year. Still, I guess is what is the Purtle's gonna do it. They brought in Jakob Purtle, um, but the big land shifting kind of moves, we didn't really get any. I'm gonna go through an alphabetical order here by each team in terms of just the players again the players that they added and lost um shout out to robbie calland with dime up rocks who put together a just here are the players who have been added and here are the players who have been lost by each team again we're not talking about draft compensation or breaking down individual trades just more so looking at roster construction the mavericks added kyrie irving and markeith morris they lost spencer dinwiddie and dorian finney smith i will note there Roster balance we talked about with them after talking about the Kyrie trade. It felt like they needed to move one of the bigs. Uh, they just didn't. The Denver Nuggets, they added Thomas Bryant. They lost Bones Highland and Davon Reed. More on Bones Highland here in a second. Golden State added Gary Payton the second. Lost James Wiseman. They, I believe, moved James Wiseman for five first round picks. Second. Second round picks. And then they brought in Gary Payton Ju- the second for five more second round picks because they couldn't get in the same deal. So they just said, okay, we'll do a separate deal. So they gave up 10 second round picks. Am I doing the math right? No, they, or they got they, the five they picks and then they rerouted them. Gave, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The brains are not working here. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move past Houston. The Clippers are the most in terms of reshuffling. They're the team that reshuffled the most. They brought in Eric Gordon, Bones Highland and Mason Plumley. They lost Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson, and John Wall. That's a pretty noticeable change to their backcourt. But the team that had the biggest makeover and the most successful one 
uh, in terms of just little, the littler moves we're talking about was the Los Angeles Lakers. They added D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, and Davon Reed. They lost Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Thomas Bryant, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Damian Jones. The Memphis Grizzlies added Luke Kennard, lost Danny Green. That's it. Minnesota, part of that move as well, added Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They lost D'Lo. The Pelicans were a big <laughs> will-they-won't-they they team as well. They just got Josh Richardson for Devontae Graham, I, I guess. Josh Richardson always on the move this time of that's year. A, I, I think that's a big... I, I haven't read from a Pelicans site yet. I need to look at Andrew Lopez's Twitter feed in a couple... Of, I'm guessing that's a big Dyson Daniels endorsement that Devontae Graham's gone. That they're looking at the guard minutes off the bench and... Yeah, I don't... They're giving the kid the Devontae minutes. Devontae did not have many minutes anyway. Yeah, He wasn't hardly playing. Yeah, that is a good point. We've talked about the Suns already, but in case you want to just like look at it for what it is, Durant, Warren, Baisley in. I almost said it again. Bridges, Johnson, Crowder, Sarge out for Portland. Uh, they were one of the more interesting teams, Kevin. Not really a buyer or a seller. They just kind of move some stuff around. They get in Matisse Thibel, Cam Reddish, and Kevin Knox. They lose Gary Payton the second. Josh Hart and Ryan Archidiakono. The Spurs were emphatically a seller, unlike Portland. I think I was ready uh, two nights ago once the Josh Hart news came in. I was like, oh, Portland's a seller. And then I kind of look at what they did, and I guess they kind of did sell, but they're still... They could still feasibly make the play, and the Jazz will not. They lost Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They brought in Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones. Of course, Russell Westbrook expected to be waived, not sure on Toscano-Anderson and Damian Jones. My main takeaway from the deadline, Kevin, is the only needle-moving moves were for Dallas and Phoenix. And again, I don't think that Dallas got dramatically better. I just think they got better, but there's a huge chance it could backfire for them. Obviously, with the Suns' health, there's some of that in mind. Was there a specific team that stood out to you that you want to talk about here, whether they did or didn't do anything? I thought Lakers? Yeah. I mean... Their starting lineup super interesting and super different. It's what we think: Bamba, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Beasley, or Austin Reeves. Don't know there and D'Lo. Like that's a much more interesting. I think more talented roster than before. Even just the D'Lo addition gives you a little something with LeBron and AD. But I have no idea if they have figured out what their offense is yet. I have no clue if these guys are going to play defense. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they have enough time where they are. Are they what? Are they 11 and a half back or something like that? Any case, um, it's a worth a swing. And I guess I think it registers as what LeBron was hoping for. But it's just when you compare it to how everyone else acted, I don't know if they even make the play in two games out of the plan right now yeah i have them as the second best team in the west and that's just like the roster coming out of the break yeah yes uh all of a piece coming up uh just to spoil it right now i should have let off with that one but now we 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 can combine them i wanted to (laughs) i wanted to run through the names anyway so I broke it down into tiers. I might move these around a bit still. I have a couple hours to write this here before there's a basketball game tonight. I have the Suns in their own tier at the top. Self-explanatory. Kevin Durant. 
Don't Nuggets, overthink it. Nuggets lineup. Kevin Durant. Tier two. I've got the Lakers and I've got the Warriors. Nuggets lineup. Tier three. I've got the Nuggets leading off. Okay. We'll get to them in a bit. People are not going to like that if it gets to that part of uh, the, the world. Country. The Grizzlies also in tier three. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Mavericks are not in tier three. I have them in tier four with the Pelicans and the Clippers. Don't know what to do with the Pelicans or the Clippers or the Mavericks. So I'm going to put them in their own. Like, I don't know tier. <sighs> Pelicans are wonky because they actually, I think they can slap it together once they're healthy, but I don't know when that is. The Timberwolves are the most, I need to sit down and like do some reading here nope. for 20 minutes. <laughs> you are emphatically shaking your head, but I, oh, I, I love me some Mike Conley. Kev, can he turn it around there? We'll who's, see. Who's shooting around them? With their goofy Ooh, bigs. That's a good point. Sacramento is the other team I have down there. Shout out Sacramento. You're having a hell of a year. Uh, but, uh, the I, playoffs. Was, I was saying Sacramento finally has success. Finally, after all this time, and they're celebrating, and then everyone makes a trade, and they're like, oh, 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 no. I will gauge the temperature here on what is the most, like, the biggest take here that I have. I think the Lakers one is obviously one, but I think where I have the Nuggets is one. They've been the best regular season team in the Western Conference. They are 38-17. and 17. Their starting five is absolutely destroying teams. It has been the best starting five in basketball to this point in the season. It has a 16.6 net rating that is only bested by the Warriors starting lineup. Yes, the Warriors starting lineup is still destroying people, but it's just it doesn't play, and when it does, the bench comes in and all this kind of stuff. Their on-off numbers with Nikola Jokic are a a monstrosity, I would go on (laughs) to say. I really thought they needed to do something to their bench, and the answer was bringing in Thomas Bryant, which is doing something to your bench, and it is addressing the non-Jokic minutes, but in terms of the overall impact, he's only going to be out there when Jokic isn't. You're not going to play them together, I think. Was our boy Zeke Naji mostly playing four minutes? I don't know the answer to this. Or is he at the five a bit? Because that... One thing we've I am taking out of today with the minor, more minor moves is Plumlee to the Clippers when they were wing heavy and now they're like doubling down on... I know they lost Hartenstein can like I, just half Can I wrap on ago. the Nuggets really quick? Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to just for like it. move off and then, and then get lost there. They lost Bones Highland, who was a young guard who was not ready, and they need to give the minutes to someone else there. They they KCP has been awesome for them, Kevin. He's been so good. He is part of that five, but the, gosh, they miss Monte Morris. They really, really miss Monte Morris. Yeah. I, I've always loved Monte Morris, and they miss him. So for me, the real huge drop-off with the bench combined with the do you have a second star on this team is why I have them a peg down, because when I look at the Lakers... They have LeBron. I know they're going to get hurt and then whatever. But right Same now, as healthy, as Same constructed, the they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and a capable supporting cast around them. Capable is in air quotes. We'll get to that in a, in a minute. Okay. The Warriors have Steph Curry and the death machine still to some extent. I am willing to put them above the Nuggets for that reason. Look, if we get I it, again, we might have some newer basketball fans listening as well. Jamal Murray is a killer in the postseason. He turns into a different type of dude in the postseason. If they get that blue arrow, then move them up to tier one. Move them past the Lakers and Warriors for me. But I, I, I just don't know. He got hurt again recently. 
the Michael Porter Jr. thing. Like we're waiting for the leap, and it's just like, is he just going to be like the? Uh, is he going to adapt? Like it just feels <laughs> like he's still kind of just like trying to figure out how to be catching. Like, like we we've seen Mikel really be like, okay, I'm not touching the ball for seven minutes sometimes, and that's that's okay. It's really hard, and Michael Porter Jr. is trying his best to do that. I haven't watched enough of them to like concrete say what the issue is there or how much of an issue it is for him. But he's obviously a guy who's a future All Star, future All NBA caliber talent. Just haven't seen the breakout yet. What were you saying on the Clippers? I think teams are loading up on backup bigs because they see Jokic, they see honestly, I, I think Da um, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Come on, Looney. If you go to Boston's only move was, I know it's Mike Muscala, but teams are trying to add to their big rotations. Christian Wood, Jonas, um, Rudy Gobert, Cap. And then Giannis kind of, the Giannis Lopez situation is. So if if you're contending and you want to knock off a contender, I think the center position was kind of some people's focus who are going to be right in the mix. Lakers are legitimately 10 deep, Kevin. The problem is only three of those guys are proven. Yeah. That is Dennis Schroeder, and, and in my opinion, uh, that might be a hot take, but I think Dennis Schroeder... Yeah, he deserves that. Defensively, at least, like, deserves that. And his defense has been like the Lakers as a whole, and been that great. But I think once the real stuff starts, he gets there. LeBron, AD, duh. After that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about D'Lo, man. I don't know. I think that the off-ball fit, Shooter... Playing more of that role makes a lot of sense, but when you're the off-ball shooter guy, Kevin, what do you got to do? Dribble. You got to move those feet. Oh. You got to move them. So oh, I, I don't know. He it, can he avoid being a pigeon? I, I don't know. So Schroeder will come in if he if he can't, and then they'll move D'Lo to the bench. I think Jared Vanderbilt is what I have written here the most underrated player that got moved. Defends five positions, rebounds like a maniac, very skilled passer, can't shoot. I don't care. Linus with him and AD are going to destroy. They're going to defensively. That's just going to be incredible. One of those guys where his steal rate, block rate, that kind of stuff is insane. Very good. I like Austin Reeves as they're starting <laughs> to as the quick ball mover, smart guy knows what to do on both ends of the court. And I like it even more because you bring in Malik Beasley's high volume shooting off the bench. I believe it was low or um, you know, Kevin Pelton actually was kind of writing about this and just how many threes Malik Beasley shoots. Past three, four seasons, Kevin, you ready? Mm-hmm. Three seasons, I'm sorry. Seven, sorry, 8.7 threes per game, <laughs> 8.13s per game, and 8.6 threes per game. He's averaging 5.7 over his career, but the last three years specifically, those percentages, 40, 38, and 36. So you're getting 38, 39 league average and and that's where you would shake your head but you were like oh pretty good yeah because he's shooting <laughs> eight a game when you go on that high of volume guess what Steph Curry would shoot from three if he took seven threes a game instead of 12 or whatever it is that he's doing now he would shoot probably 50 percent from three yeah. if he just took like six a game or whatever uh but that's not what we're talking about and they, and they the buddy Still gravity thing, and Mo Bamba gravity a little bit is more even, more of just like well. the, okay, we have the five when Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five, which is all the time, it seems like. <laughs> don't know on Rui Hachimura. Don't know on Troy Brown Jr. Don't know on Lonnie Walker. I, I, Davon Reed had some moments for Denver, and, and he, he could he could emerge perhaps. But I think it more so just comes down to like those eight guys that I mentioned. Again, we don't. I, I'll add Mo Bamba into the 
rim protection, but I don't really know outside of that. He's been on the Magic his whole career, so he hasn't seen winning basketball yet or know what it is. But on paper, I think I'd feel a lot better about this ranking, Kevin, if I was putting it in October. Yeah. A lot for them to figure out, especially defensively. That's where I would put them in tier three. But you know what I'm never going to do, Kevin? Hmm. Never going to doubt that King when he's got capable players around him. It appears on paper he has capable players around him. I ain't doing it. I'm waiting until the fat lady sings and he retires like four times officially. Like I, I want a re-re-re-retirement before I start doubting LeBron James. Not doing it. That's fair. I ain't doing it. Uh, Warriors too high, Clippers too low, Pelicans too low. What are one of the three teams are you want to focus on? I think Pelicans too low. And I, I think we said... can. I think we can just briefly say. Yeah. Zach Lowe has uh, flirted with. He's basically written like a full column on the Warriors in the last like three weeks, and his like don't like stuff uh, that comes every Friday. The must read of the week in the NBA, in my opinion. Just been saying like it's it's just not happening yet. I don't know why, but it's just it, and he's. The starting five still killing teams, but for some reason defensively at the end of games, they just break down. I don't know. And it's just not happening for them yet, Kevin. And, and I'll say that, but I would put them in tier three uh, normally, but defending champs, they figure it out. I'm not going to move them too low. Not going to do it. Pelicans, you were saying. I just think they have everything that we thought they did and they will figure it out. Pretty brief, but. So you think I should have them tier three? Yeah. Too low? Yeah. Clippers are, I don't think I have a problem where you have them, but Clippers are very interesting because I think that backcourt is, has a little more juice, man. Like Re, like you talked about earlier, Reggie Jackson was not playing up to what he was two years ago. John Wall has been in and out of the lineup, has just not really, we'll take an L on that one. I think we were like, oh, that's a great addition and he just isn't the same player and that's probably what happens when you don't play basketball for a few years. Uh, Will Barton getting waived, potential oh. guy. Yes, please. I will just, I will just say uh, yes, please. That is the, that's the one you throw the MLE at, right? Yes. Okay. I think it hasn't gone well over there, but culture fit guy. Uh do we need to do Will Barton real quick? Will Barton's like, who would we? We both are. Will He's Barton. Will the Thrill, but we're we're Will Barton people here. You want to do the two quick? Yeah, we might as well. We're not going to be back anytime soon because we won't do a breaking podcast if he's the guy. Uh, Will Barton, 6'5", six, 6'6", uh, six, six, two guards. So again, more or two, three, kind of in that mix. Uh, more of a two, three than a three, four for sure. Also can handle. Can do a little bit of, of the dribbling. Kevin is a, has been a consistent scoring presence in the league for the last five or six years. I think one of my, to speak to the culture and how much uh, guys mean and stuff. Yeah. One of the most memorable uh like tweets, photos I remember from a reporter, and this is because I will, and part of this, of course, has to do, uh, I don't want to say my emotional attachment, but he's always been one of my favorite non stars in the league just because of how great of a guy he seems like and, and the role that he plays on teams. When he got traded from Portland to Denver, I think it was his first game back in Portland, and some reporter was like wrapping up their day, their night, and went out to the completely empty arena. And just saw Will Barton sitting by himself on the bench on in, in Portland's arena, just sitting there. And it, it's that type of thing for how much he has meant to how much he meant to Denver. 
Are we what, was, what was the series when the Suns swept him? Was it Game Three or Four? Where it was he was the guy in, in the in the Game Four Mike who Malone, was like Michael Malone was like our team didn't show up. We were playing. I don't remember what he said. He basically called out his team except for Will Barton, and then Will Barton showed up the next game and was just like an animal everywhere. And then he was the guy. If I'm remembering correctly, who in game four was like, I'm not getting punked like this. I don't care if Jokic is out of this game. I'm not getting punked like this. It's not happening. Um, Defensively and offensively, what does he have left in the tank right now? He's 32 years old. Breaking news, Kevin. uh, Kellen has not watched many Wizards games this year, so he cannot report. It was really up and down for him in Denver in terms of staying on the court. 71, 56, 58, 43 games before playing. 81, 60, and 82, the three years before that. But a, but a, but a dribble guy, Kevin, and a playmaker. Assists per game the last five years, 2.4, 3.9, 3.2, 3.7, 2.9. Grab some rebounds, too. I think that, man, he would... I We talked about the fifth guy not being there on the team yet. This is it. Like, he would, if, they, uh, if you sign him, I think he would, yeah. he would start. He's I, also the only one, so... Like, who? what other wing is out there? I think I said this an hour ago or something. I don't know. That we good? We I, I I guess we're good. I, I guess we're good. Yeah, people people are already bouncing back and saying Thrill's kind of gone defensively at this stage of his career. I, it's not for me to say. Even and it, even if even if he's kind of um, more of a negative than a positive or more of a neutral than a positive on defense at this stage of his career. I don't really see a better fit for them right now on the buyout market. I, I don't really see it at all. We'll see. We'll see over the next two or three hours. Okay. We mentioned them. You, you talked about the Pelicans, the brief thing there. Zion's been hurt just as Ingram got back. Zion got hurt again. They've really been sliding down the standings quite dramatically. They've won three in a row. Uh, that came off of a 10, 10 game losing streak. Kevin, and they were just slip side and free falling, but I think you are more of like the Willie Green. Will he'll spend these next six weeks? He'll get them right, and then they'll be in a position of some sort to uh, cause problems. I, I think, looking at this on hindsight, I think I think I'm going to bump them up to tier three. I, I gave myself the out of like moving teams around. I'm going to move them up below the Grizzlies ahead of the Mavs and the Clippers. I feel comfortable with that. Now, if I was ranking this based on opponents for. The Suns, I would put the Mavs in tier one. <laughs> but, yeah, that's but, true. But that's different. not what this list is. Uh, so for those of you who are reading this and be like, I'm horrified of the Clippers. Why are they in tier four? I completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, you were talking about as that came down, uh, the look of the Clippers. We should re- briefly kind of run through it. Uh, their point guard starting. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but let's just say it's Eric Gordon. Let's just say it's Eric Gordon. I, I don't. Maybe it's Terrence Mann. Let's say it's Terrence Mann. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they're they're doing the same thing with us with the starting the like the starting four or three or whatever with their point guard. They're like, I don't know. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George is it? Yeah, Marcus Morris, Zubach, and then you've still got the depth that we were raving about with this team before. Um, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Eric Gordon, Bones, like more of a flyer for them. Rocco. Batum, um, they've still got a really, really deep team that could be an absolute pain to play against, particularly with their defense more than their offense. Could I would just suggest put Bones in the starting lineup and not let him dribble the ball up. Kawhi's still not <laughs> playing every game, but when he's playing lately, he's doing pretty. <laughs> just Bones, just yeah, that spot. And oh. if you catch it, then you can do the scoring. But <laughs> we're, we're gonna let Paul handle this right over there, sir. <laughs> You're out on the wolves, huh? 
Oh yeah. You, you doubting Anne and Aunt Junior? How dare you? Uh I I just can't get over their big situation. Okay. They haven't given me any reason all year. One more one more game before we go. Okay. Tears are tears. I want to recharacterize the conversation here. Mm-hmm. Son, who is the one team here that is the most reliable for you? Once we the clock strikes uh. midnight on the regular season, we're looking in the postseason outside of the Suns, and who is the team that is the least reliable for you? And we are talking about like does injuries? No, we're just talking about when the postseason comes. I think it's obvious, like the Kings, you don't trust them because of their lack of experience or okay. whatever. Yeah. But, like, who are you willing, like, we'll, we'll rule out the Kings, we'll rule out the Timberwolves, we'll rule out the Blazers, Jazz, and Thunder out of this, but I want to hear from you. Nuggets, Grizzlies, Mavs, Clippers, Pelicans, Warriors, Lakers. Who is the most reliable of those teams to you? Where they go into the first round, no matter who they're playing, if it's not the Suns, and you're like, they'll move on. Nuggets. And? I, I think I think so, too. I, I keep wanting to say Pelicans. Gosh, I really want to too. I wish if I, I wish I've seen, the last fifteen games. I wish I've seen more of the bad, yeah, because I haven't been watching yeah. enough of it. Um, and then the Warriors. I think those three to me just. I think it's a tie for me between the Nuggets and the Warriors. Who's yeah. the most volatile to you? Who is like they could get beat by anyone in the first round? Can you name them off again? Memphis, Dallas, the Clippers. Warriors, Lakers. The Lakers. Assuming everyone's fully healthy, you still say the Lakers. Yeah. I would say Dallas. Yeah. The Clippers almost should deserve, because I dig Ty Lue, and I think he gets new pieces, and he just whips them into shape, and they're reliable. I don't know how talented they are, but they're reliable. But yeah, that's... That's a good question. Nuggets, though, yeah. Nuggets, Nuggets. Top. I just think the Nuggets are going to get, especially in the first round, like, they're going to be fine. If the Lakers somehow squeezed in there and then just the matchups... Wouldn't wouldn't it just make sense if they made the Western Conference Finals and we got KD versus Jokic? Doesn't that just make sense with the way the year's been going? Yeah. It just seems like it makes sense. It doesn't feel like it's the Grizzlies year for a million reasons. Clippers and Warriors, it doesn't feel like they're putting it together yet. Kind of feels like where we're headed. I, I'm going to move the Nuggets up to tier two. I'll move them up. Okay. I'll move them up. I'll move them up. You you can stew on this a little. I, can, I have time. I have time to yeah. change. So do all of you, to be clear. You're all worth five second round picks in my heart. That's what I <laughs> tweeted out. Because like four different guys got traded for five second round picks today. That like, almost feels like more than three first round picks through the Phoenix Suns. True. Well, I'll regret saying that in three years. Maybe. Can you keep your phone on when I text you in 11 hours and say we need to do a podcast because the I don't even want to speculate what happens that causes us to oh, podcast yeah. for the fourth we time? Don't. We're sleeping hours? through that one too. 48 hours? We're willingly sleeping through that one. Bro, don't even talk about sleep. I can't think about sleep. I got a, I got a basketball game to write about and to, uh, to watch in two hours. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be more than good. I just can't. We can't We can't allow our minds to weaken. Yeah, the mind really 
controls the body. Okay. Seriously, thank you so much, everyone, for for listening. Really do appreciate it. As you guys can imagine, the support the last 24 hours has been pretty crazy. It turns out when someone like Kevin Durant comes to the basketball team you cover that a lot more eyeballs are there. Really appreciate everyone's support. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll get back on track next week in terms of the outline of the podcast. We're going to have like a couple dozen people who are listening to this and like these guys are all like, what are they doing? They're all over the place. Typically how we run things here. Weekly discussion. We come on once a week. We will talk about the basketball games that occurred and the themes within them. We'll mix in the news of the week and something that we're going to be focusing on more and more as the season, uh, regular season ending gets closer and closer is how the Western Conference is shaping up. That's something we've been talking about a lot the last couple of weeks, but just more like a, a lot more nuanced discussions about what's happening on the court and the trends that we've been seeing from the team's play. And I think a lot of our conversation is going to be geared towards that back half of the rotation for these next two weeks as we kind of teased going there. And then Kevin Durant might, you know, play basketball for the Phoenix Suns. Oh, whoa, weird. Weird to say that. Do they play? No, they don't play Brooklyn this year. Mm. They already did that. (laughs) Mavs, everyone's talking March 5th. Mavs. Mm. Some storylines in that one. Guess who they play uh, second game of the All-Star break back? (sighs) On the road. Finals. Warriors? I don't know. Milwaukee, oh, 11 a.m. ABC. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Wait. Uh, that's going to that... be, be when he comes back, isn't it? Is that the March 5th? I don't remember, man. February 26th. I'm not pretending. Chiefs or Eagles? Chiefs? Eagles. Go, Birds. Bye, yeah. everyone. <laughs>